I'm Lexi. And I'm Nathan. We're here with the Young Couples Group, and you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman, and I am your moderator, and I am joined by Dan Marcello. Young Families Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Hey, everybody. I am joined by Young Families Pastor Dan Marcello, <laughs> uh, Worship Director Scott Reed, as always, and Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. Good to be here. Thank you for coming. Um, it is March 12th. It's been kind of a crazy week, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but before we do, we have all the phones off the hook in this office, and they still ring. There's one over there. We didn't see stopped. it. It's in the corner. Is it is really? really? Yes. We tried so hard. I'm not re-recording it. We're in a hurry. Don't ever tell your audience you're in a hurry. It makes them nervous. Uh, Bill, would you mind praying for us? All right. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for hearing my prayers earlier in the day for Nancy and this procedure she underwent, and it went so great. And we give this hour to you and pray that you fill us with your spirit and that we'd say something that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Um, before we get into the big... Two topics of the week this week. Uh, Scott, give us the would you rathers. All right. Would you rather own only a collection of clothes that fit perfectly, but is made from shag carpeting, <laughs> or always have all of your clothes be soaking wet when you put them on? <laughs> you really you anticipate it that you know nice clothes that just yeah, don't fit don't at all, fit. but no, no, they're always soaking wet. Well, they will dry. Yeah. At some point. No, but they're always soaking wet. When you put them on. Oh. I think I think the shag carpeting thing, this is a this is a real for me at least, it's a battle between personal inconvenience and then what will people think of me. And I think it would be good for me if all my clothes fit perfectly and were made of shag carpeting. Not to mention the fact that my job is almost hundred percent remote. So I don't no one ever has to see me. So I'll take shag carpeting because I, there's nothing more miserable I can imagine than sitting in my office doing phone interviews, just sopping wet. <laughs> <laughs> I choose the shag carpeting option, too, because I feel like we live in a place that's cold a vast majority Ooh, of the year. Yeah, and yet you can't go outside. leaving the house with clothes that are wet <laughs> just doesn't seem very fun and when you, it's like below zero. You get in your so, car. Shag carpeting for me. It's like sitting in a bucket. <laughs> it's like sitting uh, in a bathtub. Yeah, I... I think I am also going to go with shag carpeting, but I hate it because it is cold here, but it also gets really hot here, and I hate the hot and shag carpeting clothes in the heat. Oh, it's just going to be awful, but, but at least I won't die of do, hypothermia. Do you so. want to be soaking wet when it's like 100 degrees outside, too? I think, I think I'd rather be soaking wet than than wearing shag carpeting the entire day. I, but then there's also the factor that, like, Clothes that are soaking wet, especially nice clothes, they are going to be destroyed. So, mm. so I, I am going shag carpeting, but I'm not happy about it. I find being like just super sweaty on a hot day to be a super unpleasant experience. I would rather be. Well, you're going to get super sweaty, and it's not sweat on your clothes; it's just water. What about it's shag carpet damn. in the winter, wet clothes in the summer. Don't mm. try and negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the wet clothes option. Oh. What? Because I've got a lot of tech clothes. And they wick away uh, microfiber pants. That's smart. That's why he's smart. got the degree. 
might have to go without underwear all the time because that's cotton. <laughs> well, we've already but talked about that. that I'm ready. Isn't that going to chafe like crazy while you're running around? But I guess shag carpeting would probably prohibit you from running in the Boston Marathon. True. That would be awful. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, uh, I want to jump in. Like I said, we have two different topic of the weeks uh, this week. Um, Yesterday, March 11th, uh, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19, the coronavirus, as it's uh, kind of being referred to publicly. Uh, as a pandemic, what that technically means is just that it's a worldwide spread of a new disease. That's their definition. Um, in the wake of that and in the weeks leading up to it, a couple thousand schools in the U.S. and all over the world um, are closing their doors. Uh, on the WHO's website today, I saw an estimated 200 to 300 million students and youth are affected by school closures around the world in 37 countries. Wow. Uh, many churches, even in our area, are switching um, to streaming services, to closing their doors. Um, I think a state governor may have issued a, a statement to churches asking them to not hold services for this foreseeable future to do their part in dispersing you know, public gatherings. Um, uh, I know that at our staff meeting yesterday, we talked a little bit about what Bloomingdale's response to, to this situation is. So I want to talk logistically, if you can, you know, if, if, if it's too early and no decision's been made, um, if you want to share a little bit of what our thought process is as a staff about, you know, what the congregation can expect. Um, do, do any of you have something that, that you could share from that? So I've been considering some options for our online presence, we don't do uh, live streaming every weekend. That's something that some churches do. We don't do it. Um, I started looking into it, and it might be a little bit cost prohibitive. They're all kind of subscription based, and, it, and it's kind of pricey. But what we what we could do, and what I'm what I'm kind of planning on doing is what what we have done for a long time is we post the sermon and we post uh, a drama or a testimony if those things happen. Those go up on the website. They go up on social media. Uh, as sort of individual elements, and that will continue to happen. But I also think I'm going to start putting up just a full service uh, at uh, BloomingdaleChurch.org/slash/BetterTogether. Um, so if you're feeling, you know, uncomfortable going to a large gathering of people, or or you personally have the virus and you you can't or whatever, um, that you can go to that website and you'll have the full experience, you know, start to finish with the music, with the announcements, with with everything. Um, so that'll that'll start going up probably next week. I think I'll start doing that. And that's not necessarily going to be live. It will not be live as of right now um, because uh, I just don't think for a church our size with all the things we're trying to do, I don't think it's worth it spending like $1,200 a year on a live streaming service. Sure. And we are a little lucky in that, you know, we already stream the service live to all the TVs in the church. Right, you know, so we already have a lot of that technology. Yeah, as we well. have the the video part is done, mm -hmm. uh, and so even what we could do, what I'm, what is an option, um, is recording the Saturday night service, which we do, and uploading it and posting it on Saturday night, so that even on mm -hmm. Sunday people can access it. And yeah. Saturday night's not usually like our most polished service because it's the first one, sure, but that might be you know a price to pay so that people can see it on Sunday. I don't so know. they can There's still some, see it on Sunday morning. I think some options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's also the option of giving online too, mm -hmm. which if people are nervous about, you know, the offering goes by and putting their hands in there, putting things in there, um, envelopes or what have you, then the option to give online is there at bloomingdalechurch.org backslash give. Mm -hmm. 
which is good too. You don't have to worry about any microbes, only on your computer. <laughs> Those computer are your own microbes. Viruses. Yes. <laughs> computer viruses. So we know, um, we know that disease, illness, sickness is a part of living in a fallen world, um, in a broken world. I wanted to ask, what is our response as believers about a world that will be redeemed, about a world that will be, um, you know, wiped clean? What is our response in the here and now to disease like this? How do we respond in a way that builds our faith? How do we respond in a way that, you know, brings us closer to God? What does that look like for us today? I think as we look at the world the biggest problem facing the world is not the coronavirus. Mm. It never has been. It never will be. It is it's sin. You know, mm. the virus is just a, a temporary problem that we're facing, and it has killed some people, and the reason that that is a problem is because of sin. Mm. If all of us were sinless, well, death wouldn't exist, but also death wouldn't be something to fear because mm. we would all be going into the presence of God. So I think mm. the world is no worse off than it was before. And the priority that we as Christians need to have is exactly the same. Mm. Um, it just is maybe through a new lens. I know for me, living through this time, I guess something that God's been putting in in me and in, in my mind and my heart has been don't fear. Mm. And, you know... There's a lot of fear going on. I don't on, necessarily right? fear the actual... <laughs> yeah. I don't feel, fear getting sick and... and that I, I fear like what people could do or like the panic that could be incited and hmm. like having had a trip with my family yesterday to Walmart and seeing just stuff that was going on, people yelling, people just going kind of nuts. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that makes me frightened. And in the midst of this, I feel like what God is speaking to me and I think all of us, he wants to speak it to all of us is don't fear, I'm with you, I'm in control. Hmm. And so I don't know if that necessarily answers your question theologically yeah. speaking. No, but, I think it does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Bill, are you successful in... Well, I'm looking at a different Bible than the one I was reading this morning, but it's in the book of Zechariah towards the end of the book, and there's a one verse that says something to this effect. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. I love that. Hmm. It's, it's a blessing from God on his people. You prisoners of hope. And, and that's way I look at this too. I'm not going to be held in bondage to fear about this virus. Mm. Worst case scenario, I get sick and die. Bring it on. You know, I get to go to heaven. Scott brings up a good point that there's so many more pertinent issues in the world, our own sinfulness and many other issues that are much more alarming than this, that it's easy to take our eyes kind of off the, the stuff that's even important in our own lives and I think any topic of conversation we have with anyone these days includes the virus. Hmm. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but to not let ourselves get go down those rabbit trails of thoughts of worry and fear. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's other more pressing things in our lives to focus on. Thank you. I, I think that's a really good reminder of, you know, the Great Commission tells us why we're here. And Jesus knew the world that he was sending his followers into mm-hmm. and it's not like there's any new development that's going to change his mind about what our priorities should be true i think that's awesome all right well thank you for that um and let's jump into topic of the week number two i guess um i live with daniel right so 
I think I'd be remiss if I didn't hit this again. Uh, sponsored this week by Youth Banquet 2020. Youth Banquet 2020, Friday, April 24th, Saturday, April 25th. Join us for a great night of food, theater, and friendship. This night is put together by the youth in our church as a fundraiser for their summer on-mission trip and student retreats. Tickets will be sold for $15, which covers the cost of food, banquet expenses, and provides a small donation to support the students. Purchase your tickets online at bloomingdalechurch.org slash youthbanquet, youth-banquet, or outside of the Common Grounds Room after the services on April 4th, 5th, 11th, 12th, 18th, and 19th. Additional donations are welcome and can be gifted when purchasing tickets or during the night of the event itself. The Youth Banquet 2020, Friday, April 24th, and Saturday, April 25th. Topic of the week this week is finishing up our series on why is the Bible still relevant. Uh, and the one thing that I've always said since the very beginning of this podcast is that we are an optimistic podcast. <laughs> um, we uh, have spent the last three weeks talking quite a bit about things that can disparage the Bible, about why, despite uh, criticism and, and despite our own personal doubts, you know, the Bible is still relevant to us. And today I want to flip that around. I want to talk about the parts of the Bible that have meant the most to us, that have spoken the most to us, that God has used the most in our individual lives. I want things to get a little more personal than I think we have in previous weeks. Um, so I know each of you has brought um, a section of the Bible that has spoken to you, that God has used in your life. And we're going to borrow a mechanic from uh, the young adult small group we're currently going through Job four chapters a week, and the way that they handle things there is they set a seven-minute timer. We read the chapter, set a seven-minute timer, uh, and one person sort of drives the discussion. Seven minutes is up. We move on. So we're going to bring that a little bit to this today as well. Um, so I'd like to go ahead and start. I can start with um, the passage that uh, has really meant a lot to me, especially in the last two years. <clears throat> Mine is 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 8 through right around 11. And I'll be reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. And then many people will give thanks, because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. This has been a verse, uh, a passage that's really been at the core um, of my life. Part of the uh, testimony that I gave that's on the Bloomingdale Church website is about leaving a, a job behind, and that job was really the culmination of the way that I viewed myself and viewed the purpose of my life and um, an obsession I had with trying to be impressive, of trying to work myself to death, of trying to um, earn the right uh, to, uh, really earn, earn the right to save myself, I guess. And what I love about this passage uh, is that Paul says he expected to die. This is a man who, you know, saw Jesus with his own eyes in a vision, um, who's been through so much, um, and he's crushed, and he's overwhelmed, and he expected to die. And his logical reasoning in that situation is, you know what, if I expect to die, there's no point in relying on myself. I have to rely on God, who made me and who raises the dead. So why would I rely on my own plans? Why would I rely on my own strength and my own smarts? Um, 
I know what's come of following those. And then that was so true in my life of, of really saying, you know, if I'm left to my own devices and if I'm just following the, the blind, fearful pursuits um, that my own mind comes up with, like it's just going to lead me to, to suffering. It's just going to lead me to, to, to death. Um, and I think that's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful passage from Paul of saying, Everybody has to make the decision at some point whether or not they're going to put their money where their mouth is and say, "Okay, God's in charge. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what He tells me to do." Um, it's easy, at least in my life, it was easy to live uh, saying, "God's in charge, and I decide uh, how much leash I give Him," mm. <laughs> um, and really to tear my life down and to say, "All right, well, I'm gonna listen and, and wait and, and see what God tells me to do." Has been just fundamentally transformational in the way that I've lived my life and in my relationship with God and in my relationship with other people. Um, and then the other thing I love about it is he says, you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And I think one of the biggest questions I always had was like, if God knows what's going to happen, what, what is the point of praying? Um, and the fact of the matter is like God in his nature is glorious and will be glorified. And so when many people are praying for an answer to a prayer, like he is so much more glorified when a hundred people are praying for it. Um, because that's a hundred people who will say, even if the answer is no, he will say, you are faith that, you know, they, that hundred people will say you are faithful and, and you do answer prayers. Um, even if the answer isn't what we've been asking for. Um, what was your passage, Dan? Also in Second Corinthians chapter one, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because my passage actually I had two like really short ones that kind of were like a one-two punch when they happened in my life, mm. but mine was also Second Corinthians one <laughs> eight through ten <laughs> or wow. eight and nine rather ah. eight and nine. I know. Uh, well, you want to share? You should share yours. Yeah. Uh, sure. So mine, I like I said, I brought in two. They were both like just like two verses each. Um, which came up at similar times or around the same time in my life, I should say. The first one is in Mark 4. It's verses um, 38 and then uh, 40. Uh, and this is the passage where uh, the disciples and Jesus are out uh, in a boat, and uh, the Bible says a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. The boat was already filling, uh, and Jesus is just kind of sleeping. Uh, and verse 38 says, The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Um, and he wakes up and he calms the storm. And then he says to them in verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Uh, and then uh, in my translation, which is the ESV translation of Second Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, um, it says, We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Um, so similarly to Max, actually very similarly to Max, um, we were both working at the same place, uh, and I was there for a lot less time than he was. Um, and as I was wrapping up my time there, that's kind of a nice way to put it, I was... I was confronting the reality that I had not listened to God's calling in my life when I had accepted this job and it was really uh, biting me in the butt and I just was miserable at this job. I was kind of miserable in my life. Um, and these two verses kind of cropped up 
Um, and the Mark verse, uh, you know, where the the, te- the disciples come to Jesus and they say, "Teacher, um, do you not care that we are perishing?" That that just really, to me, kind of embodied how I felt with everything that was going on, not just in my work life, but in my my whole life. Um, I just felt like I was just drowning, and it and it a lot of it seemed really arbitrary. Like, why did this happen this way? It didn't didn't seem like need to have happened this way. Uh, and that's really how I felt. Like Jesus, do you even care that this is happening? Um, and uh, he responds with, "Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith?" In other words, after all that you've seen me do, do you still have so little faith that you think that I would let something as insignificant as a windstorm, as insignificant as a virus, even mm-hmm. tie mm-hmm. back into topic number one? That you would think that I would let that tear you away from me or or jeopardize you in in any significant way, um, and the reality was that at that point in my life, I had experienced a lot of God's grace and mercy, and I'd seen amazing things happen. Um, but it was like as soon as this trial came, it was like you forget all those things, and so Jesus responds, and and it is specifically this passage in in this gospel you know the the story of jesus calming the sea and other in other um gospels it doesn't have quite the same wording and and uh, it just really spoke to my heart and then the this passage in second corinthians i when i first read it i wondered why is this not a better known verse mm-hmm. like especially today um where i feel like we're just constantly wrestling with these burdens or we feel like we are um, and just this language of we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Like, mm. who can't relate to that? Especially, I think, in, like, the younger generations today where the anxiety and depression are so prevalent. Like, mm. who who can't relate to that, that we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself? Um, and then he just this reminder that that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. You know, we we can't rely on ourselves. Like what Max was saying, um, you know, these seasons of life, they are bigger than we are. Um, and this, you get into kind of an interesting and difficult topic here when it's like, okay, well, what is God causing versus what is he allowing? And, you know, our sufferings and trials, are they from God or is he just using them? Why doesn't he stop them? All you know, I don't want to get into that, but um, you know, essentially these, these things, they force us to come to grips with the reality that we can't handle our lives. Um, and when we try, we just get into this pit and we despair of life itself all the time. I despaired of life itself in that season of my life. Um, but when we learn to rely on God, we see that, you know, even if we die, even if this situation that we're in actually brings us to the point of death, and we're not just despairing of life itself, but we're losing our lives, it doesn't matter. Because life and death are irrelevant when it comes to the power of God. God raises the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus raised um, other people from the dead. You know, it's it's death itself and the things that make us fear death or or try to cope with death. It's all just it's it's pales in comparison to the power of God. And when we rely on Him, we realize that um, we don't need to be afraid. Uh, of anything, including death.
I love this verse, Mark 4.38, because it reminds me of my favorite t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. <laughs> and it's interesting that Jesus, I feel like Jesus chose to sleep. Right. Like he, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm just going to go to sleep now. Like things are about to happen. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just oh. weird that he was sleeping in the middle of a storm. Like <laughs> it is. He was like a supernatural nap. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I'm going to do this. We'll see what happens. And I guess it's, you know, it, the disciples react the way we often react. But the question is, you know, when God appears to be sleeping, are you still going to trust him? Sure. Mm, that's a great insight. That's a beautiful thought. Yeah, I get that. I've been feeling really stuck. Um, like, you know, the last, especially, you know, over, over Christmas and the last, you know, several months of feeling very stuck and really praying a lot of like, okay, why am I, why am I where I am? And like, am I where you want me to be? And, and why aren't, why doesn't it feel like you're, you know, leading me step by step? And, um, you know, I'd like the next step, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think that really does speak to that. Uh, at the end of the day, like I, I couldn't not be in a boat with God if I tried. Mm-hmm. Like He is mm-hmm. present. He is the boat, and He He is the boat. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, he is leading, uh, and I did I did choose because I know that His plan, His way, is better than than whatever I would come up with for myself. Mm-hmm. And Paul knows plenty about that. You know, he committed his life to. Um, to the study of scripture and trying to to save himself through human understanding and and in the end he discovered that all of that was meaningless if he didn't have Jesus. Mm-hmm. Do we want to wrap up Second Corinthians by making Dan go? <laughs> sure, sure, that's fine. I think it's funny that the three of us chose, and maybe Bill's I, too. I don't know where Bill's no, at. No, no, no. I no, completely no. agree with you that when I read that, I was like, I can't believe. Mm-hmm. That this wasn't like in a song or something. Granted, we expected to die. It doesn't make a great kids song. Well, even still, it just feels like something that. But it, it yeah. feels like one of those verses that people would just say to themselves, or like posts on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. But it, you, it's. But I've never isn't. encountered it very much. Mm. Yeah. Which is like you said, it's perfect for our generation, but but for the world. Yeah. Sure. It's powerful. Mine is Second Corinthians one three and four, oh. so a little before these guys. Right? All right, all right. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Um, that's a verse that really has become pretty much like a life verse to me. Something that God brings to mind often. Something that's been very useful. And that I've seen that truth played out in my own life. And to give you an example of that, um, about 10 years ago, Amber and I found out that we can't have our own like biological children. And so that was a real process of coming to grips with and really grieving that couldn't happen and disappointed that couldn't happen because even before we got married, we had plans to have a huge amount of kids. And our joke was enough kids to make a soccer team. <laughs> we wanted to have a lot of kids and and be parents, and thankfully we are parents of an adopted child, but um, still that that was always there, you know, even from before we got married, that desire to have kids. Um, all that to say that God has really used this verse in a, in a cool way in our lives of taking our eyes off our own selves and our own circumstances and maybe disappointments or expectations that weren't met in that sense of not being able to have children and to say, okay, that's true, 
but God has also comforted us, and how can we take that same comfort that we've received from God and minister it to other people, be like administers of it? And so God has given us a lot of opportunities, even in that world of like infertility. Of You'd be amazed at how many people really do struggle with that, mm-hmm. that God has given us the chance to come alongside and pray for and to be like, not just pray for him, but like, I'm praying for you. Be like, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've walked in your shoes. And I feel like that's kind of enriched the relationships I can have with people who are struggling. This, I mean, not maybe not with the same thing, but to say, I understand how it feels. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wonderful thing about Christ suffering. He knows how we feel. And when we go through these things, we can identify with what people are going through. Be there for them, love them through it, show them kindness. Whereas sometimes it's really easy to give a coin phrase or a quick answer. Or sometimes people just need love, support. You need to just sit with them and just be with them, not looking for their, all their problems to be solved, but just someone who cares. Mm. I feel like it's, that's a verse that's really, God just continues to bring up over and over again in my life and look, really formed the way I try to do ministry. Mm. Yeah. I have a question for you, Dan, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. It's more personal than scriptural or theological, mm-hmm. but what, what does it feel like to wrestle with infertility? Especially, mm-hmm. I guess now that you've come to the other side, that's mm-hmm. probably not the right way, but you've mm-hmm. adopted and, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously in that moment, I assume you knew that that was like a possibility, you know, you could adopt, yeah. but... It was kind of hard for us because we were going to go to the mission field and so all the doors oh. were kind of closing. Oh, I see. Not knowing that the doors were going to open elsewhere yeah. in a different country. But like, your question is, what does it feel like to go through it? Yeah. I think it's different for men and women. So I think for women... It's real tough. If it, I guess it, it depends on the gender. And it depends on like, and I don't mean to say this in a bad way. Where the problem lies, like, sure. is it a problem with the the males' stuff <laughs> or the ladies' stuff? Like, and sorry, I don't mean to be cheesy. It's no, hard no. to know how to say that. Um, and I think for the person that has the issue preventing conception from occurring, there's a lot of blame. There's mm-hmm. like self blame. A lot mm-hmm. of like. I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, what did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that I did, that it's like a punishment. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, just guilt associated with that mm-hmm. from the person that's kind of quote-unquote responsible. And not that they're responsible in that sense, yeah. but like, the cause. Um, and I think for the other person, it's hard because to understand where the other person is coming from. I think... To be frank and honest, that it, it takes the joy out of you know having sex. It it really it becomes all about trying to have a kid, and it really for both people, it just in the the disappointment like one there's always hope like another month this could happen, mm-hmm. and then only to find out like oh man it didn't work. Like, a lot of prayer goes into it, a lot of everything, mm-hmm. a lot of hope, a lot of emotion, and then if you, just to find out like it's ended in disappointment, it can just really be a really tough cycle, and a lot of marriages end because of it. A lot of a lot of people go through a lot of... I've known a few people who have divorced because of it. Um, it just can bring out a lot of ugly stuff, especially if someone blames their spouse or vice versa. How do you um, deal with this idea that, you know, like you and Amber wanting to field your own soccer team? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like that seems like something that's given to you by God. Like, mm-hmm. that seems like a dream that is a, a mm-hmm. holy dream, right? Mm-hmm. And And... You know, you do have, you know, a daughter, an awesome daughter that everybody at this church loves. 
So in some ways it seems like it's circumvented or redirected mm. or otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, there's a roadblock and water flows around it. Yeah. But what is that process like of saying to God, like, look, you gave me this, you built me with this dream in my mm -hmm. heart. Like why <laughs> you have to make it so much more difficult? Yeah. I guess the verse that I, and I may be quoting it wrong from Proverbs, man makes his plans, but mm. God directs his path. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just keep coming back to that, that, I can make my plans, I can have my ideas, but ultimately it's what God determines and what he wants that's going to happen. And it's just, a, it's like, I guess what you're saying, Max, too, it's just letting go, letting go of a dream, letting go of things and saying, God, your way is better than my way, even though what I had envisioned would have been really cool. Like, I, it's, it wasn't your plan for me, and that's, I have to accept that. Mm -hmm. And not just accept it in like a fatalistic way. Well, darn you know, I'm going to be bitter at God. and No, it's accepting but with joy and saying, okay, this is my reality. This is the way things are. It's the way it's going to be. And I want to praise God in it. Even if the if the situation, or I think it could be any situation, isn't ideal. Didn't end up the way I wanted. I'm still going to praise God. And not be like a conditional thing with God. Of, well, well, God, if you do this for me, then I'll, I'll praise you. Then I'll live for you. Then mm -hmm. I give you all myself. And no matter what happens. Yeah. I'm going to follow you and with joy. That's something, that's, to your question, Max, that's something that my wife, Leah, and I, especially Leah, wrestled with regarding marriage um, before we got, I mean, we got married, I was 25 and she was 26, we got married this year, and that's obviously not that old, but compared to, like, my parents got married right out of college, and even my older sister, who didn't get married right out of college, she was married a little bit earlier than that, so, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen, and, and for Leah, she'd always really had this strong desire to be a wife and mother uh, and after high school she just had to kind of figure out what her life was going to look like because that wasn't a reality at that time and I think when you have that ingrained desire and obviously you know Dan and Amber they have a daughter now and Lee and I we are married but I think when you have that it's surrendering that to God mm -hmm. that really brings him I mean you know, anyone can be single if they don't want to get married anyone mm -hmm. can not be a parent if they don't want to have kids mm -hmm. but to want to have kids and to not be able to, or to want to get married and to not be married, that's when I think you have the most opportunity to, to bring God glory with mm -hmm. your surrender. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a continual surrender because mm. I know there's people that struggle with infertility that, you know, everything might be going fine. They might even have kids, but they might, like, one kid and they want to have another one they can't. So a lot of times that can be hard. Or just reminders of, you know, going to someone else's baby shower even. Or yeah. Just yeah. things can really spark. For sure. Issues that we have to re-surrender, re-bring it to God. It's a lot of times it's not one and done. I'm done. I'm yeah. good. It's a, it's a process. Yeah. My remembrance of this verse comes from some of my best friends in life. They were helping us start the church in Long Grove, and when Jermaine got pregnant, the doctor said to her, "You need to abort this baby." The baby has all dwarfed limbs mm -hmm. and isn't going to be able to really breathe because of such undeveloped lungs. And the skull isn't going to come together. And, and so they pressured her and Dale, her husband, have an abortion, have an abortion. And because they were Christians, they said, no, we just can't do this. And they come over and talk to me about it. And I'd say, you're doing the right thing to resist this. 
And then the doctors would work on him some more, saying, no, you've just got to do this. You've, you've, you've got to do this. And they even threatened him. They said, when you, if you have this baby, we will do everything we can to keep that baby alive. So the big day came. She was having this baby cesarean. And we were all at the hospital together. And when she delivered this baby, um, they ushered me into the room quickly. And the poor little baby was dwarfed limbs and uh, was just gasping to breathe. And uh, mm -hmm. they held out hope that God was going to do a miracle right up until the birth itself. Because I remember walking into the room and Dale saying, you know, today on the 700 Club, they had a prophecy that there was a baby like this that was born healthy. I said, well, let's hope that was for this baby. But it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So about 15 minutes into this, the hospital said, if you'd like, we can take the baby off the ventilator. And Dale looked at me and said, what should we, you think we should? I said, yes. The baby can't live on a ventilator all its life. Let's find out if there's a miracle here or not. And I think they were really relieved that, yes, okay, let's do that. And then the baby died within about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to do the funeral service. And I'm really young, pretty new in the ministry, and it was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, but particularly 4. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, well, why? Why did this happen? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And I just remember the Holy Spirit coming upon the church as we had this funeral mm -hmm. service that this really makes a lot of sense in this horrible, horrible situation. Mm. So this is a phenomenal passage. The whole chapter is phenomenal. Yeah, really, is. there's no word in the whole scripture where you just say, well, that's a throwaway. We don't really <laughs> True. And as you have said, you know, always looking for Jesus in, mm -hmm. in even the ones that can feel like throwaways sometimes. Yes. Um. My passage is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The reason why I'm getting choked up is what goes with this verse. About five years ago, my son called us up to tell us he was caught in adultery. And Melissa, his wife, was going to divorce him, and everything was just in a real downward spiral. Mm -hmm. So Nancy and I went out to Omaha to visit them, and Melissa was just livid, livid. And uh, we did our best to say to her, please don't divorce Joel. Work to forgive him and save your marriage. But Nancy and I are crushed through this. It's not just marital problems affecting only two people. It affects mm -hmm. 
everybody that loves you. So it was a weekend, and I remember it was Sunday morning, and we were going to go to church around 11 o'clock in the morning. But I was up early, and I ran, and and I just started walking around praying and pouring my heart out to God. Sat down with my Bible, and this was the verse that just really started ministering to me. And I began to meditate on it, not just that day, but thereafter as well. And the more I looked at it, the more I realized how awesome God's forgiveness is. Mm -hmm. That a stain that is scarlet, a stain that is red as crimson, it, it really does stay on a white shirt. Mm. <laughs> that shirt really is ruined. Mm -hmm. even, even a small stain is something that when you put it on, you see it there on your white shirt, you think, I really can't wear this unless I wear a sweater over it. Or I can't really wear this to an important occasion like a wedding. It just It's not right. But when it comes to a stain that's even more horrible than, say, grape juice, a sin stain, the God removes it so completely that the sinner is not identified with that sin in the eyes of God because instead he, he sees the white as wool. But even in the sight of people, if you think about it over time, and the people who know you if you've really, really been repentant and God's dealt with your sin and you have turned around and gone the other way, it, it's a memory that just keeps fading and fading and fading until it's really not in the picture anymore. Mm -hmm. So this is the passage that I, I'm just very grateful for. It's meant a lot to me. Thank you, Bill. Um, well, it feels weird to go from that straight into plugs. Um, does anyone have anything coming up in the next two weeks? I think you don't have to. Um, nothing's coming to my mind. Sure. Yeah. Read the Bible. It'll do you good. <laughs> Get your own verse. <laughs> I don't think I have any any new plugs. Bill, you've always got a plug. Well, I'm looking forward to something. I'm looking forward to this Alpha Retreat this weekend. We had so much fun at Alpha last night. I'm still in the glow of that fun. And I thought to myself this morning, how weird. I usually don't associate fun with a church activity. You know, it's... It's really hard for church to be so titillating that uh, even the next day it's like, wow. You might say, what happened at Alpha last night? It was a, it was a few things, but at, at the beginning we did the chili cook-off. Mm. It's like kids 
in a playground, all these adults mm-hmm. running around, testing each other's chilies. And, and then we prayed for each other, laid hands on each other for healing because the meeting was, does God heal today? Right. And typically, these healings seem to happen more gradually that, well, we'll find out next week. And did he really heal you or did you just have an adrenaline surge mm-hmm. and that pain went away? So I'm looking forward to that also. But the same thing is going to happen this weekend. We're going to lay hands on one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The food's going to be phenomenal. Dave Diaz is barbecuing ribs, and Judy O'Neill's making these fabulous <laughs> oh. desserts. And thinking, Got any right. open slots? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a neat, neat weekend. Mm. Awesome. Listeners, if you'd like to send chili to the podcast, you can send it to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Uh, if you have uh, jet ski fund donations. Oh, my goodness. I completely they're forgot all, about that. They the are also accepted. Uh, yes. Please don't forget to walk up to Pastor David and uh, tell him that you've got a donation for the jet ski fund. Until next week, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Max. Thanks, everyone. Scott, yes. it's, it's your turn. No one can top what happened last oh my week. Goodness. What am I saying? Just... This has been the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. <laughs> <laughs>